I want to teach today, and it's going to be more teaching mode. You know, there's different types of anointings. There's different types of, of the way the Holy Spirit moves. Now, to explain this, uh, a pastor has to be a teacher. Now, a person can be a teacher and not be a pastor, but a person can't be a pastor without being a teacher because the main job of a pastor is to feed the flock with knowledge and understanding. So, um, you know, it might get a little electric here later and we'll start getting into a preaching type mode, but for the most part, today's going to be teaching. Teaching strengthens us. Amen. Teaching establishes beliefs, but it also strengthens beliefs Amen. that are already established. You got that? So I said all that because what I want to tell you that this message here, I want to piggyback on last weekend's messages for the, for the weekend. Last weekend, if you were not here, we celebrated the 25th anniversary of the founding of this church. 25 years of literally experiencing God's faithfulness from day one, from day one. And as I said last week, if I had to sum up the past 25 years in one word, I would say faithful. God has been faithful. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm not going to go and talk about everything I talked about last week. If you weren't here, go online. Um, you can listen to the message. Amen? Amen. But I do want to start out with one scripture, though. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. He is God. He's the faithful God. Okay, now, the faithfulness of God is what you and I need to concentrate on, focus on more than anything else. Say, well, pastor, aren't the promises of God are important? Yes, they're extremely important. The promises of God that are contained in the word of God are extremely important. But what good is knowing the promise if you're not aware of the faithfulness of the one who made you the promise? You listening? Yes. People make promises to us all the time. How often do they come to pass? How many times do you go into a, a store to buy something or you, you contact someone to provide a service for you and the promise is made? You're going to be so satisfied. We're going to give you the best price. We're going to do the best work. Nobody does work like this. And then you contract with the individual. What happens? You get disappointed. You go, you have a taste, a craving. I don't know, this is one of my pet peeves. How many of you get a craving for a certain type of meal or even a certain type of dessert or something like that? And you know, I'm going to go to a specific restaurant because they're the ones that do this the best. And then you get there and your mouth is watering. You look at the picture on the menu. You're like, you got this, I can't wait to taste it. And then it comes to the, to the table and you go, what is this? What is this? I'll never forget, many, many years ago, my wife and I were down in um, Cape May. And we decided to go to a restaurant. Now, I'm talking about years ago when I was still in the restaurant business. That's how long ago this is. And so uh, I had such a craving for veal parmesan. How many people like veal parmesan? So I don't like to, the, the veal, I, I'm against it. Well, then eat chicken parmesan. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I'm like, oh my, I can't believe they got veal parmesan on this menu. This is awesome. 
what did veal parmesan they bring it to me? Now, I'm, I'm like the whole time, I'm like, I don't want to eat bread. I don't want to eat because I want to enjoy this meal. Okay? The waitress puts the dish in front of me. I go to cut it. It's raw. I mean, raw. Not even fried. Not even like, did you just, what did you just take this out of the refrigerator, put it on the dish, and throw it in the broiler? What did you do here? It was such a disappointment. And my wife always says the same thing. Why do you got to be so picky? It's raw. <laughs> It's not a matter of being picky. This is a matter of not wanting to get sick. But you understand what I'm talking about? Many people make promises to us. Now, there's other places that you know, that you frequent, that you know if you go there, they're going to live up to that promise. You're going to experience what they promise you. That's why the subject of the faithfulness of God is so important to us. Because I, I would venture, we can probably go right through everyone here in this room Give me a promise that you've read in the Word, and you'd be able to give a promise. But if I ask the question, do you know the promisor? Well, I hope so. I think so. Last weekend, we spent quite a bit of time talking about the faithfulness of God as it pertained to this ministry. What I want to talk about today is you and myself getting stirred up about God's faithfulness to us personally. Amen. I had a discussion recently with somebody. Justin, I know it's me, but I, this thing keeps going. At the corner of my eye, I keep seeing this. Would you please come and get this? I'm sorry, it's just me. I keep looking at it like, that's not supposed to be there. Okay, here, take the pen too. That's not supposed to be there. That's not supposed to be there. Sorry. What was I saying? You see how that thing blew a circuit? What was I saying? Personal faithfulness. See, because when you get in a battle, it's one thing for you to know about how God operated in somebody else's life. It's another thing for you to believe how he's going to operate in your life. I was, having, that's, that was where I, was going. I was having a conversation with someone the other day. I don't remember who it was. If you're here, praise God. And the topic of the conversation was, how come it seems like I can pray for, I remember what it was, I can pray for somebody else and see them get healed, but when it comes to me, it seems like it's harder to get healing for yourself. And we've seen that. We've seen it even on an international level. Some of the famous healing evangelists that were able to get other people healed, and then they get cancer and they die. And you're like, what's going on? That is a perfect illustration or an example of someone who knows the promises of God, but is not sure if he'll do it for us. Does that make sense? Because yes. it, it seems like it's easier to have faith to believe God for somebody else's situation than it is for us. And it's not about knowing the promises. Because you can just go, I mean, today it's easy to know the promises. You can just Google it. What does the Bible say about? What does the Bible say about? What does the Bible say about? And man, you get 50 scriptures. See what I'm saying? So it's not about a lack of knowledge about the promises of God. It's a lack of a track record of the faithfulness of God. Amen. Now, I might be getting a little bit ahead of myself, but now when you talk about stuff like this, because we're going to talk about establishing a track record as we get into this message today. Now, a person could say, well, well Pastor, I just, I just received Jesus. I just became a Christian just recently. 
I'm just starting out on this thing, so I don't really have a track record yet personally with God. That's fine. Go in the Bible and see what he did in other people's lives. See how he interacted with Abraham. See how he interacted with Moses. See how the people interacted with Jesus. And then you can, you can rely on that track record because God does not respect one person more than he does another. If what he did for Abraham, he'll do for you. What he did for Moses, he'll do for you. What, what Jesus did for that woman with the issue of blood, he'll do for you. What Jesus did for those that were blind, he'll do for you. Amen. But see, the devil comes in and goes, yeah, but you're not worthy. Maybe he did it for so-and-so because maybe they're a better person. No, no, none of us are worthy. If this was about us being worthy, we're all going to hell. We're all going to hell. You got that? All right, faithful, faithful, faithful. Faithful. The Hebrew word is imuna. Not that you needed to know that, but I thought it would be impressive. <laughs> Firmness, steady, stability, certainty. It literally is the root word for that word aman, which if you take that second A and change it to E, what do you have? Amen. amen. So that's really what the whole concept of when we say, when we attach amen to a prayer, what we're saying is, I know that you're going to be faithful. I know that you are certainly going to bring this to pass. I have a firm belief that this is going to come to pass in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, you just did it. Amen. Well, every time we're saying amen, it connects us to the faithfulness of God. Don't give vain amens. Don't just spat out vain amens. Like people will pray ridiculous things that are completely contrary to the word of God. And to, in Jesus' name, amen. No, no, just because you threw the Jesus name, amen, on the end of it doesn't mean it's going to come to pass. Perfect example, the most obvious example. Father, I pray that my neighbor down the street, that her husband drops dead so that I can marry her in Jesus' name, amen. I understand that's a little extreme, but some of us do stuff like that. We just pull it out of the air. His faithfulness is connected to his word. Watch this now. His faithfulness is connected to his will. If we ask anything according to his will, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now flip that around. If we ask anything that's not according to his will, He's not obligated to hear that. Okay, let's move on. So, we need to be convinced of the faithfulness of God because the more we are convinced of the faithfulness of God, the more our lives will become stable, peaceful, and confident. And so, I don't know about you, but I find that tremendously reassuring, the subject of faithfulness, because I don't know if anybody's realized this or not. Maybe some have. We live in a crazy world. Does anybody realize that? Let me see. The rest of you still haven't woken up yet. We live in a crazy world that is constantly shifting and changing. Sometimes it's like, what did they just come out with that statement because there's nothing else to do today? Um, if we connect our souls to the things in the culture of this world, we're going to be like all over the place. 
But if we will connect our souls to the word of God that never changes, then we're going to have steady, even-keeled, stable, peaceful lives. Listen now, even in the midst of a crazy, Peter said, even in the midst of a perverse generation, we can have peace. Now, why is this important? It's extremely important for you as a believer, and I'm assuming that everybody in here today is a believer, or at least you're on your way to, okay? It's extremely important for you to focus on the faithfulness of God. It's extremely important that when an attack comes against your life, a challenge, something comes out of left field, okay? It's extremely important for you to go and remind yourself of the faithfulness of God in order for you to walk in peace. Why is it important for you to walk in peace? People are watching you. They are watching the way you're going through life. It could be an extended family member. It could be a coworker. It could be a neighbor. But people are watching you to see how are you handling the stresses of this life. Now, that statement I just made is not meant to bring guilt and condemnation because maybe you might be in a season right now where everything is really wacky in your life. And sometimes it's only natural for us to be tempted to lean in that direction to get stressed out. But, but when we finally come to ourselves, we should be reminding ourselves, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. The last time something like this happened to me, God came to the rescue. The last time I went to the doctor and he said, well, this is what's going on. I went to the Lord, prayed. He either gave me instruction on how to do this in the natural to fix this situation, or I was supernaturally healed. We gotta keep reminding ourselves. The last time I thought I couldn't pay this bill and I prayed and all of a sudden here, boom, a check came in the mail that I'd been waiting for for five years. You know, some of those things that you can't make up. If you and I will draw back a little bit and just begin to concentrate and focus and remind ourselves about the faithfulness of God, our lives will take on more of a peaceful, stable. In other words, you'll be able to recognize it. I remember many years ago when my wife and I had to file for bankruptcy. We had gone out to a business here locally in town, and we threw everything we had into that business. And I gave it like five, six years, and it just, it was not, it just wouldn't budge. It wasn't going anywhere. It was just, and so family members, you know, we lost everything. We lost our house. We lost vehicles. We lost the business. We lost whatever. Okay, and this was, this was many years ago. Uh, uh, family members would come up to us and go, I don't know how you're doing this. I don't know how you haven't lost your mind. I don't know how you have I said to I said to one individual, I said one of my brothers, I said, listen, if I didn't know who my trust is in, if I didn't have God in my life right now, I probably would tie a concrete block around my neck and go throw myself in the inlet, okay? But I know in whom I have believed. And I know that he's able to bring to pass. This is a season. It's a bump in the road. Things are going to turn around in the future. What am I saying? People are watching the way we go through life. Now, that's why these connect groups are important. Because in a connect group, you have a small group of people. It's a a little bit more intimate. You can share things if you want to. If you don't, you don't have to. But you start listening to what other people's experience has been. And you start learning. 
You know, that's why I tell personal stories sometimes. Not because I need you to know anything about my life. I know my life. I know what God's done. And that probably the best illustrations I can give are firsthand experiences. Amen? Because yes. we encourage one another with that. But if we're not focused on the faithfulness of God, then we're gonna, our lives are going to reflect that. It's going to be erratic. Yes. And listen, people out in the world that don't know Christ, their lives are already erratic enough. They don't need to be one around, around one of us <laughs> whose lives are all over the place. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm just going to keep going. You jump in whenever you feel like it. Psalm 37, verse, verse 3, starting verse 3. Verse 3 and verse 4. Trust in the Lord and do good. Now, you see, you're not going to be able to trust in the Lord if you don't know about his faithfulness. Trust in the Lord and do good. Look at this, look at this. Dwell on the land. In other words, live your life and feed on his faithfulness. Feed on his faithfulness. Feed. On his faithfulness. Not refer to his faithfulness every once in a while. Feed on his faithfulness. That's a continuous thing, right? Right? You don't eat lunch and then a week later you eat lunch again, right? What do we do? We feed on a regular basis. Why? Because we want to keep our energy up. We like the way it tastes. We enjoy the meal or we enjoy the company with the meal. We feed. We know how to feed on a regular basis. Yes or no? Yes. If we'll begin to feed on his faithfulness, what does it mean to do that? To continuously remind ourselves. That's why when we pray, do you ever notice how we pray sometimes? We say, thank you first. Father, I thank you that your word says whatever the promise is. Well, why would we thank him in advance? Because we know we're thanking him based on what he did the last time. Amen. Yes or no? Yes. Do I have subtitles underneath here? <laughs> Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Keep going. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. But the important part there is feeding on faithfulness. Now, feeding on his faithfulness is another way of saying, remind yourself of the faithfulness of God. Now, David's accredited with writing this psalm. Who better than David to write about the faithfulness of God? Okay? He lived a lifestyle of feeding on the faithfulness of God. Can we go to 1 Samuel chapter 17? It was David, listen, listen, before we get into the scripture here. It was David's constant reminding himself of the faithfulness of God that gave David the cutting edge in one of the most famous battles in all of biblical history, okay? 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 34. By this point, David has come to where his brothers are in Saul's army. Goliath is taunting the armies of Israel. He said to them, send out your champion. Send out your best guy. Instead of the two armies fighting together, I'll fight him, and whoever wins, either you're going to become our slaves or we're going to become your slaves. Nobody's moving. The entire army's at a standstill. Saul, the king, is in his tent behind the army, which I'm sure gave a lot of confidence to the army. Okay. David comes on the scene, hears this, and goes to the king and says, I'll fight him. And the king's like, you're a kid. 
I'll fight him. Here we pick up. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it, struck it, and delivered the lamb from its mouth. David, what kind of, what kind of person are you? First of all, let's be honest with each other. If you saw a lion and you saw a bear, the last thing on your mind is your father's sheep. You're like, what's the quickest way out of here and how far away can I get from this thing? No, he went, he said, I went after it and struck it, no, and took it out of its mouth. David had such confidence in his God and such confidence in the track record to God. He's like, no, now this thing has really got me mad. Even if that lamb is dead, I'm going to take it out of its mouth because it's not going to have it. He went after it. He went, now watch this now. I went out after it, struck it, and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by the beard. How close do you have to get to this animal to catch it by the beard? And I struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. He's like, I killed a lion. I killed a bear. I took the lamb right out of its mouth. This guy might be big, but my God is bigger. I'm going after him. You listening? Now, interestingly enough, why would David mention Goliath's anatomy? I don't want to get too graphic here. He said, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. This uncircumcised Philistine is going to be like the lion and the, and, and, and the bear. What is he talking about? Why would the Holy Spirit include this in this story? It has nothing to do with the circumcision, except for this. Circumcision was a mark that that man was in covenant with God Almighty. He's saying, we have a covenant with God Almighty. This Philistine doesn't have a covenant. I can have confidence to go after him in battle. He's going to lose. Why? He's depending on his weapons. I'm depending on God in heaven. And that's how you have to get when the enemy sends something against your life. When a bad report comes, when the finances are destroyed, when a relationship is being broken up, whatever, whatever you're suffering loss at, you've got to take the same determined path. Go after it. You've got God Almighty on your side. And that makes a majority. Are you listening to me today? Yes. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised, this, this Philistine who has no covenant with our God will be like one of them, seeing he, the Philistine, has defied the armies of the living God. Now, there's a key thing there. If we had time, we would go back in this chapter and say and realize that when Goliath came out, he said, we are Philistines and you're the servants of Saul. No, they were the servants of God. But the enemy will always make you think that you do not have that kind of relationship with God Almighty. He said, you're the servants of Saul. David said, no, you've defied the armies of the living God. You got to put your battle in the right perspective. But you see, if you're not aware of the faithfulness of God, or if you've not been feeding on the faithfulness of God, you're going to fall for the devil's lies. You're not enough for this. This is way over your head. 
You're going to be overwhelmed. Yeah, maybe God brought you through the last time, but oh, I don't know about this time. You know, maybe last time you went to the doctors, he told you this, that, and the other thing, and, and you, you got out okay, but oh, I don't know, this time it looks so much more worse. You know, remember your cousin had this, and they died like in a month. You know, he starts giving you all that stuff. Am I the only one? Or does anybody here know what I'm talking about? Got to feed on the faithfulness of God. Amen? And so, and so look, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Verse 37 Moreover, David said, the Lord, not my strength. He said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And look at, look at Saul's reaction. Next verse. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. That's the point that David was trying to make the whole time. The Lord is with me. I'm okay. This is the same one who wrote, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You listening to me this morning? What was he doing? He's rehearsing God's track record in his life, getting himself to the point where he knew, I'm going to take this guy's head off. Why? He's defied the armies of the living God. This was no longer between the Israelite army and the Philistine army. This was now between Goliath and God Almighty. David was the instrument in the battle. But he understood and knew that his strength was going to come from God. Now, how could you come to that conclusion unless you've seen God move like that at some point in the past? Amen. See what happens with us? We get attacked. Something comes out of left field. Our mind comes under attack with thoughts of, of defeat, of failure. Of, and we act like this is the first time this has ever happened. And if we'd, be, if we'd be, really be transparent and honest with ourselves, we would sit down, get out of the realm of the emotions, and, and, and think back and go, wait, wait, this is not the first time this kind of thing has come. This is not the first time this has happened. But I don't know what it is about our human nature. We act like it's the first time, and we collapse. We fall to pieces. And then, hopefully, we kind of gather ourselves together, get ourselves on our two feet, and we start allowing God then to walk us through things. But if we would make it a habit in our business to feed on the faithfulness of God, then that collapse time would get shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. And then you get to the point, you get to the point where when whatever comes against your life or the life of a loved one, you go, oh, no, 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 you're not going to get away with this. No, in the name of Jesus, you stop now. You listening to me? In the name of Jesus. I, I shared this story, I guess, a few months ago. I don't remember this time how, how long ago this was. Probably about eight years ago. I get uh, a kidney stone attack. Now, I, I recognize what it was because I've had them in the past. And every time I've ever had them, God delivered me from them. Okay, but this one was pretty severe. And so uh, I don't remember when it was. Uh, I woke my wife up and said, come on, I got to go to the hospital. What's going on? I, I recognize the pain. Okay. You know how they, you, know, you go in, you give them your information first off. They slap that $20,000 bracelet on you. <laughs> if you're lucky, it's $20,000. And then they go sit in, in the... Go sit in the waiting room until they call you. 
Emergency room. Emergency room. How does an emergency room have a waiting room? It's, an, by definition, it's a, an emergency room. So it's an emergency. Okay. So I'm sitting there, and I'm, the pain is like, and I'm sitting there, and my wife had gone to park the car. This is how quick this happened. And as I'm sitting there, I'm thinking to myself, am I stupid? This is like the sixth time since 1990 that this type of an attack has come. And every single time, God delivered me from it. In fact, the one previous to this one, I didn't even get as far as putting the... When I went to uh, the emergency room, I go up to the reception desk, and the woman's asking me questions. I'm dying. I'm like, I, I need this right now. Right, the pain is so bad. And she says to me, how can you describe the pain on a scale from 1 to 10? Now, I had just watched a comedian do this same skit, and I bust out laughing. And all of a sudden, I went, oh, the pain's gone. And she's looking at me like, I said, the pain's gone. Because the Bible says that laughter does good like a medicine. Okay? I said, um, I don't need this anymore. The pain's gone. Oh, well, well, let us examine you. No, nothing to examine. The pain is gone. Okay? And so did my wife, well, when, while you're here, instead of us going home, and yeah, all right. X-rays, CAT scan, nothing there. Okay? So this time I'm sitting there waiting. My wife went to go park the car. That's how quick this was. And I'm like, am I stupid? Why am I not remembering that this is one in a long chain of just when the enemy keeps coming and coming and coming and coming and coming, sickness keeps coming and coming and coming. So I went, oh, no, no. In the name of Jesus, kidney stone, pain, you've got to go now. I swear to you as I'm standing here. It was like, Shh. she comes back in. I said, come on, we can go home. She said, just parked the car. I said, no, I don't have to stay. The receptionist over he over overhears us, right? And she goes, oh, no, no, you're already registered in the system. You got to stay. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Again, run the tests, nothing there. But watch now. If I didn't catch myself, if I didn't take the action, watch now, the action based on previous events, which is what? The faithfulness of God. Who knows how that could have turned out? Who knows how it could have turned out? Oh, pastor, some of you are saying, oh, pastor, probably just a coincidence. Honey, have you ever had a kidney stone? Who's had a kidney stone in this room? They told me the first time, this is the male equivalent of childbirth. And I went, oh, dear God, don't give me any more details. Because I've been there when all four of my kids were, were born. I'm not going through that. It is painful. It's extremely crippling, okay? You believe what you want? All I know is this. My God has been faithful in my life Amen. to deliver me every single time any of those things have popped up. I know we all have stories, but this is what I'm talking about. Stir yourself up 
on the faithfulness of God. Remember, don't be like a type of, don't, don't be like those lepers that came to Jesus. He, he healed them, but yet only one came back to say thank you. The other nine went, oh, I'm good. Let's go. Go on with my life. Don't be that way. Train yourself. Please, train your soul. This isn't a spiritual thing. This is a soulish thing. Okay? Train your soul to have gratitude. It's possible. Train your soul to remember the faithfulness of God. Train your soul to not collapse under attack, but to immediately go into that that warrior mode. Like, oh, no, no, no. Just like David did. I killed the lion. I killed the bear. This guy's going to end up just like them. And you notice what happens next? The Bible tells us that David ran to Goliath. David didn't stand there and go, well, maybe he won't see me. Maybe it'll just pass by. No, David ran to the battle. Amen? Amen. Let me ask you this question. I pretty much know the answer, but in, in, as a mode of reminding and stirring ourselves up, do you have a giant that you face on a regular basis? Yes. Almost all of us do. Whether it's a physical giant, whether it's a financial giant, whether it's a giant of fear and thoughts in your mind, almost every one of us, I guarantee you here, has a giant that we deal with on a regular basis. Take these tactics. And for me, this is very personal. When fear tries to overtake me, tries, I remind myself of how God completely delivered me from crippling panic attacks when I was 27 years old. Amen. Crippling. Crip, I would not, there's no way I'd be able to do what I'm doing today. In fact, there would be no way for me to even walk into this room with the amount of people that are here right now without a massive migraine, vomiting, and wanting to run out of the building. I promise you that's how bad it was. God completely, so now, so now when fear tries to come, and it's, it's going to try to come to all of us, you know, even Jesus, when he was in the wilderness, it says the devil departed him for another opportune time. The enemy will try to come back and take the ground that he lost in your life. So it's almost never a one and done. It's always like, I got my victory, but now I got to maintain my victory. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. So when, when fear tries to come, intimidation, anxiety, I immediately go, oh, no, no. No, I was done with this years ago. No, this isn't working in my life anymore because God's not giving me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. A person that's always under fear doesn't have a sound mind. A person that's always under anxiety doesn't have a sound mind. Why? Because the anxiety to fear is going to cause you to make decisions based on anxiety and fear. And decisions made in anxiety and fear almost never work out. You listening to me? Now, um, when I begin to feel overwhelmed with my responsibilities over this ministry, because, you know, you realize this isn't the only service, right? So there's a Saturday night service. There's 9 o'clock service. There's 11 o'clock service. There's service going on just started six minutes ago in Wall Township at our campus over there. Uh, six minutes ago, 
Praise and worship started in the Bayville campus, and they have a Saturday night service and a Sunday morning service, okay? So we've got all these people that we're responsible for. And sometimes, if I'm not careful, well, I shouldn't say careful. If I'm not mindful in making sure that I cast all of the cares over on him, I know what Paul says when the pressure of all the churches was upon him. When I start to feel overwhelmed that way, I recognize, oh, no, no, if I don't deal with this, this is an open door to the next thing. And I will remind myself how God, without my help, created a multi-site ministry out of nothing. So what do you mean nothing? (laughs) Nothing. We put the last pennies we had to start this. We started with nothing. And here we are 25 years later. And I hope you're adult enough for me to say this and not trigger something negative in you. With millions of dollars worth of property, equipment, buildings that started out of nothing. So I have to remind myself what God could do with nothing. And so then that relieves me, like, because, you know, there's no way. If I could have did this in my own strength, I would have did it in my own business. That was not the experience for me in business. It's very much the opposite. You see what I'm saying? What am I doing? I'm reminding myself of the what? Faithfulness of God. Are you hearing me? When the temptation... to start worrying about finances tries to raise its ugly head. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but to maintain this campus, to maintain the campus in Wall, the one in Bayville, to keep things nice, to give you a chair to sit on, it's not, it costs money. Did you realize that? I'll never forget, I'll tell you this story real quick. Um, years ago, when we had... Uh, when we first started a very active youth ministry, and I don't know if you know it or not, there's an entire youth center on the other side of this building. You see what it says outside, outside now? What does it say outside? You didn't even look at it? We spent all this money. You didn't even look at the sign? It's on the other end of the building. What does it say? Teen Center. Okay, that's always been a very big part of this ministry from day one. So at, when we first moved into this building... It wasn't for New Beginnings Church. It was for 180 Teen Center. This was the Teen Center. This room, the lobby outside was set up as a game room. This was their sanctuary. We had their, they had their own worship team. Always have. Okay? So we did a meeting here for some pastors in the area. And uh, this pastor came, brought his youth pastor with him because he heard about the youth center that we had. Somebody from not, not directly in the area. So we're sitting there having this meeting. We're done with the meeting. And um, I noticed throughout the meeting, the, the youth pastor's looking around and writing notes down. I'm looking around and writing notes down. So after the meeting is over, most of the pastors left. This one pastor and his youth pastor. The pastor comes up to him and goes, man, this place is beautiful, beautiful. I mean, we had everything over the top. Now we have it over there, okay? He says to me, uh, this is awesome. The, the youth pastor's like, because he thinks his pastor is going to do this. And the pastor says to me, so tell me now, how did you get all this donated? I said, donated? I said, we spent $30,000 putting this place together. The pencil went away. The notepad went away. 
and the pastor went away. Now, what do you think his youth pastor thought about him after that? No faith. Oh, we'll do it if we can get it for free. But you had to put money into it? Well, everything in the kingdom of God is about an investment. God invested Jesus to get you. We speak the word and invest the word and plant the word and it produces. When, we, when the Lord moves on us and, and moves on us to invest finances, we're not giving, we're investing. Amen. You didn't get it. Yes. See, when you see your giving as something leaving you, that's why people get the stomach cramps when it's offering time. <laughs> it's not leaving you, it's just going into a different realm. Now, if you don't have a good track record with God in that area, I would suggest you get that because we may see some financial times that may require you to really operate in faith and trust God and believe God. See, I I know what that's like. I know what it's like to go into bankruptcy and get wiped out of everything but still have four kids to raise. And you know what I found out about four boys? They like to eat. We know what it's like to have to believe God for everything. We went through that. Amen? You listening? They like nice sneakers. So you got to know how to believe God. So you got to establish a track record. So whenever I'm tempted, tempted to start worrying about finances, I start reminding myself of the faithfulness of God, how God has come through for us every single time. And I'm not just talking about ministry. I think the faithfulness of God in our own personal lives prepared us for the ministry. Man, you're a lively bunch here this morning, aren't you? So, he's faithful to perform his word. Let's go to Isaiah 55. I love, I love the way God does things. I don't know if you realize this. When you're reading the Bible, realize this. Not only does God give us principles. It's important. Listen to me. Lean in. Lean in. Not only does God give us principles, but he gives us the mechanics of how the principles work. Always does. Amen? The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. Is that true? Yeah. It happens all the time. At least since the flood. It happens all the time. Clouds gather. It's either going to produce rain or going to produce snow. Whatever it produces, it stays on the ground and waters the ground. And whatever seed is in the ground bursts forth. Amen? Amen. You listening? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. They cause, they, the rain and the snow, combined with the earth, cause the grain to grow, producing what? Seed. Say that word again. Producing seed for the farmer. Now, why would a farmer need seed? To plant for when? When's the harvest? Today? In the future. Yes or no? Harvest is in the future. But can you have a harvest without planting seed? No. So, it produces seed for the farmer and bread for the... So, God's saying... Now, there's a couple different applications here. God's saying... My word operates the same way. Because we're going to see the next verse. Let's go to the next verse and we'll come back to this one. It is in the same way. Here, now he's given us some mechanics of how this whole thing works. 
because he's faithful to perform his word. But if nobody speaks his word, there's nothing to be faithful to. Watch. It's the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. I send it out and it... Always. Say it again. Always. How many times? Always. Every once in a while? Always. always. He said, I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. You listening? Now, what you need to get convinced of in your heart is that Jesus has now given the church the place of authority that God himself had. I say had because he's given authority to the church. So when something happens on earth, don't you dare say, how did God let this happen? God didn't let it happen. The church let it happen. Somebody didn't pray, okay? So he said, in the same way, my word, you got to believe that when you speak the word of God as a believer, as a believer, who do you have living on the inside of you? The Holy Spirit. When he leads us to speak particular verses of scripture that are the promises of God, the realm around us responds as if God himself spoke that word. Now you're saying, oh, I don't think that's possible. I'm not worthy of that. It's got nothing to do with you being worthy. It's got, it has to do with you having a tongue, a voice box, and lips. Because he has to use somebody to speak his word into the earth. Okay? Nothing happens. If you take that Bible and rub it all over your head, nothing happens. It's when you Come on, guys. It's when you speak what he says, something happens. Jesus didn't say, walk around the mountain, take pictures of the mountain, post them on Facebook. Jesus said, speak to the mountain. You listening? Jesus said what? Jesus said what? Speak to the mountain. Now, listen to me. Side, side note. Your mountain is going to respond to your voice way more than your mountain's going to respond to my voice. I can pray. I can speak over it. But when it comes from your mouth, that mountain will respond to you, whether it's a mountain of, of health, of finances, whatever it is, of, of whatever, whatever's in your life. Okay? Now watch this now. Go back to verse 10. Is anybody learning anything today? Yes. You better, you better be learning something because you're all quiet. My wife will go, no, every, we're all quiet because we're learning. Look at this now. Look at that. Side note. Turn to somebody say side note. Because you see, you can't go to this verse without going to this other part here. You notice what it says towards the bottom. They, the rain, the, uh, the snow, we could throw in the sun, the ground. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed. For who? The Which is going to be an investment in the future, yes? yes. And bread for the hungry. When, is, when, are, you, when are you hungry? Right now. I know I am. Which is an incentive for you, because that means we're going to get out of here early. Watch this now. Watch this now. Well, listen, this is an important note. This is an important note. To watch this now. So this scripture here tells us that there is available to us seed to sow and bread 
Come on. Bread to eat. Don't mix them up. This is where people get their finances messed up. Well, pastor, I don't really have anything right now. If you got 10 cents, in that 10 cents is seed for the farmer, bread for the hungry. You take part of that 10 cents and you're going to plant it. You listening to me? Why? Because what happens to the farmer that eats all his seed now? He's going to go hungry later. Be wise. Operate by the principles of God. He's faithful to these things. Amen? Amen. You have seed to plant. You have bread to eat. Don't eat the seed. Plant the seed. Eat the bread. Because if you eat the bread and plant the seed, tomorrow you'll have bread and seed. You're not getting this. <laughs> Pastor, I'm just, my whole life has been, been horrible with finances. It's not God's fault. He said here, I gave you seed to sow and bread to eat. If we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, we're going to eat the bread, plant the seeds. Don't eat the seed and plant the bread. I don't care what, you put a loaf of bread in the ground, you're not going to come back and find little baby wonder breads growing out of there. I know this sounds foolish, but I, I feel led that I got to talk about this because somebody's not getting it. Balance. Balance. Now watch. I've known people in the 38 years of being a Christian that they thought if they gave the seed and the bread that God would like them even more. No. He said, plant the seed, eat the bread. I can think of a particular family who made their children go without their basic needs because they wanted to give so much to the church. You know what happened to those kids? They turned away from God because they didn't have the bread to eat. They didn't have the jeans they wanted. They didn't have the baseball glove they wanted. They didn't have, they didn't go on a vacation because daddy wants to please God and gave everything. Unless the Holy Spirit tells you to do that, you have seed and you have bread. You getting this? Yes. Somebody needs to hear this. Plant your seed. Eat your bread. But always be planting seed. Why? Because you're going to be hungry next week, yes. next month, next year. Needs are going to come. If you're not constantly sowing, then you can't be constantly reaping. Amen. All right. He's faithful to set us apart and preserve us. And this is an important one because we try to do this ourselves. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Are we getting anything today? Yes. I got to move fast now because time's running out. Look at this. May, now, may the God of peace, now, in our Western thoughts, we just went. But in the ancient mindset, that individual heard something else here. Now, may the God of shalom, the God of wholeness, the God of stability, 
What, what, is, what, is, what is Paul doing here? He's reminding them of the faithfulness of God. Okay? Now, may the God of peace make you holy, sanctified, set apart in every way, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body. Remember, we're, we're tripart in nature. We're tripart in nature. You are a spirit, you possess a soul, and they live in a body. Yes? Yes. God created us in his image and in his likeness. God exists as God the Come on, guys. God the God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Tripart nature. We are tripart nature. Our spirit got born again. Our soul, it needs to be renewed by the word of God. Our body is like a dummy marionette that'll go whichever way. If your spirit is calling the shots, then your body's going to go with your spirit. If your fleshly soul is calling the shots, then your body's going to go with that. Okay, but we're tripart nature. But look at what Paul says. Now may the God of peace, the God of shalom, the God of wholeness, make you, keep you sanctified, set apart in every way. May your whole spirit, soul, body be kept what? Blameless. Now, can you do that on your own? No. Until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Next verse. God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. Well, let me put it to you this way. God better be the one to make it happen because I can't preserve myself spirit, soul, and body in my own strength. I can't do that blamelessly, but he can. But you see, if you don't know that God will be faithful to this promise, you will try to spend your whole life spinning your wheels trying to get better and be more perfect. And maybe if I do this, God will love me more. No, no, he's going to do that. Of course, we got to cooperate with him, but he'll be faithful to do that, to preserve us, to keep us blameless. Now, Watch this now. I don't want to get off on this. Go back to that other verse, please. Verse 23. He'll keep us blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. That's not the second coming. That's the appearing. Because in the second coming, we're already with him. We've already received our glorified bodies. This is talking about when Christ comes, appears in the sky to take the church. Oh, I, I never heard about this stuff. Go listen to the messages for the past three, four weeks. Okay, that's the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's for believers only. That's for believers only. Amen. If you're not one yet, get to be one, okay? Yes or no? Yes. All right, let's go. His love is faithful. This is where we're going to wrap things up. Lamentations chapter 3, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I wake up sometimes in the morning and go, oh, thank you, God. I take hold. By, by faith, Father, I take hold of your mercies that are new for today, Father. Thank you. When I go to bed sometimes at night, oh, God, I can't wake up in the morning. I can't wait to wake up in the morning to take hold of your mercies that are going to be new because this has been a bad day. His love is faithful. Do we understand that his love has been committed to us Do we understand that our weaknesses do not frighten him? It does not cause him to turn away from us in disgust. Now, I want to give you an illustration, then I'm going to tell you a story, then I'm going to wrap this up. Mark chapter 1, just write it down for yourself, because this is an important chapter. Mark chapter 1 is an extremely important chapter. In Mark chapter 1, we have a story recorded for us, an incident that took place. A leper, a person with leprosy, horrible disease, 
comes to Jesus and says to Jesus, pay attention now, I know that you can heal me if it's your will. Now, that's a whole other teaching. We're not going to go to that today. Jesus says to him, I am willing. Watch this now. Don't miss this when you read it. Touches him and then says, be healed. But pastor, what's that all about? Seems very anticlimactic. No, because you, you missed it, the whole. Listen, the leper comes. He's still leprous. He presents himself to Jesus. He says, I know you can do this if you want to. Jesus says, I don't want to. What's the first thing Jesus does? Touches him. Now watch this now. The man's not healed yet. He still has leprosy. Jesus touches him. Are you getting this? Because Jesus recognized this man has had not human touch for God knows how long. His heart needs to be healed of the rejection, the abandonment, the sense of, of, of self-hatred. He touches him. Now, why is that a big deal? You can get stoned to death for touching a leper. A leper that would come into a village, first of all, they weren't allowed to live around other people. They would have to live outside of villages. And when they would come towards the village, because their family would leave food for them outside the village, they would have to yell, unclean, 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 so that you have time to get away from them. This man has lived with rejection only God knows for how long. And the first thing Jesus does is touches him while he's still a leper. Then he says, be healed, and the leprosy goes. Leprosy is always symbolic of sin in the Bible. The devil has convinced some of us you've gone too far. God cannot love you after you've done this. He's disgusted at your conduct. You'll never be close to him again. That is a complete lie from the devil. You listening? He touched the leper first. Then he spoke to the disease. Let, listen to me. Let him touch your heart first. And then he'll take care of the other stuff. He knows what you need. You listening? Yes. Understand that his love has been committed to us. It's a done deal. He committed his love to you before you were even conceived, before you had a chance to do anything, either good or bad. He committed his love to you. Turn to somebody and say, his love is committed to you. He's not taking it back. Listen to this story, and then we're going to wrap this up. Stories told about a soldier who was finally coming home after having fought in Vietnam. He called his parents from San Francisco. Mom and Dad, I'm coming home, but I got a favor to ask. I have a friend I'd like to bring home with me. Surely, replied, we'd love to meet him. There's something you should know, the son continued. He was hurt pretty badly in the fighting. He stepped on a landmine and lost an arm and a leg. He has nowhere else to go. I want him to come to live with us. I'm sorry to hear that, son. Maybe we can help him find somewhere to live. No, mom and dad, he said. I want him to live with us. Son, the father said, do you know what you're asking? 
Someone with such a handicap would be a terrible burden on us. We have our own lives to live. We can't let something like this interfere with our lives. I think you should just come home and forget about this guy. He'll find a way to live on his own. At that point, the son hung up the phone. The parents never heard from him again. However, a little while later, they got a phone call from the San Francisco Police Department. Their son had died after falling from a building. They were told the police believed that he took his own life. The grief-stricken parents, they flew over to San Francisco, were taken to the city morgue to identify the body of their son. They recognized his face, but to their horror, they discovered something that they didn't know. Their son had only one arm and one leg. You and I need to remind ourselves of the faithfulness of God to stir up the gratitude to know that our Heavenly Father takes us in defects and all. He's not inconvenienced by our flaws and does not see us as a burden. Our Heavenly Father is faithful to us to the very end. Listen to Isaiah 46, 4. I will be your God throughout your lifetime. Until your hair is white with age, I made you, I will care for you, I will carry you along and save you. He is faithful to do that in our lives. So church, I'm going to wrap this up. Attacks are going to come in life. Some people say, Pastor, I don't understand. It's just one thing after another. Yeah, because you're alive. That's what life is all about. One thing after another. And we overcome each one of those things as they pop up and present themselves. You and I have the responsibility to remind ourselves of the faithfulness of God. That the thing that's coming against you right now is not a new thing. It's just one more tactic from the kingdom of darkness, from living on a cursed planet. Things happen. But... He is faithful. And if you'll commit the situation to him, if you'll remind yourself of the faithfulness of God, he will take you through and bring you through every single time. Amen. Amen. Very quickly, there may be some of us in this room that feel like that leper. There may be some of us in this room that feel like that guy that just got life just damaged you. And you think God doesn't want anything to do with you. Do not believe that lie. He's your father. He loves you. He gave Jesus in your place. He wants to have a relationship with you. I want to lead us all in a prayer before we go. For those of you that have never prayed a prayer like I'm going to pray, I pray that you'll do it today from your heart, a heart of faith, a heart of, heart of a believer. Say this with me, Father, Father, I believe believe that Jesus is the Son of God. God. I believe he died on the cross to pay for my sin. I believe believe that he's risen from the dead dead. and he's alive right now, now. seated in heaven next to you, and he hears my prayer. So Jesus, Jesus, I ask you, you, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for making me a child of God. And I pray this in your name. Amen.